I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna for another edition of our press review show, the show in which we pick out all the Arsenal-related transfer rumours and transfer stories and bring them to you here. Uh, We share our opinions on them, we share our views on them, we discuss them and I take you guys' thoughts and questions from the live chat box. Big hello to everybody joining us at the moment. I can see there's plenty of you already in the live chat. Hope you are well. Let's say hello uh, to Christian, to Martin, uh, to Christopher. Uh, who else have we got here? We've got uh, Zeus, we've got Steve, we've got Bogdan, uh, Delisu, Harvey, Tom, Henry, uh, Mafia Boss, uh, Martin AFC. We've got loads and loads of you with us at the moment. So a big uh, welcome to the show. Hope you're all good. Hope you're all keeping well and hope you're having a good Monday. I know Monday's can be a little bit of a difficult day, can't they? You know, coming back after a weekend off, coming back after a little bit of a break, uh, trying to sort of get back into the swing of things. But it's always easier, isn't it, when Arsenal have just won a game of football? That's for sure. OK, look, let's um, let's get straight into it because there are a number of stories that we need to dissect, that we need to look at, that we need to talk about on this edition of the show. And we're going to start off with the report that came from The Telegraph this afternoon and specifically Mike McGrath with regards to Arsenal and an interest in Raheem Sterling. Now, this is not the first time that Arsenal have been linked with a move for Raheem Sterling. This is not the first time we've seen this story doing the rounds and it's not the first time that this story has come about. So is there any truth in it? Well, according to Mike McGrath, Arsenal are ready to explore the possibility of signing Raheem Sterling this summer as he enters into the final year of his Manchester City contract. A lot of talk about what this would cost, how much we'd need to invest in order to get this deal done. And I think that a lot of people sort of hearing that obviously Raheem Sterling will be going into the final year of his contract naturally feel a lot better about this and naturally feel like this is a much better, smarter um you know, move than perhaps it initially looked, given the fact that you should hopefully be able to get him a little bit cheaper um, as a result of that contract situation. The big concern for me, though, is his salary and his wages. What would it cost to get Raheem Sterling um, in the door? What would it cost to get a player who's on huge, huge money um, at Manchester City currently in terms of his wages in at the Arsenal? Um, Let me just take a quick brief pause one second because there is a lot of you talking about the picture quality i'm getting a little notification saying that the um the connection isn't great so bear with me one second don't go anywhere okay we're back hopefully that's better give me a thumbs up in the chat if that's a bit better i was having a bit of an issue with the connection hopefully that has improved hopefully that has fixed it but just going back to what i was saying um about raheem sterling you look at the situation you look at the fact that he's Um, going into the final year of his contract and you think, great, you know, you could potentially pick this guy up for what's a reasonable fee, for what's a decent fee. But um, my concern is what it will cost in terms of his wages and how big an investment you'd have to make on that side of things to basically try and, uh, what's the, you know, try and mirror what he's on at City or try and make it an appealing prospect for him. Now, Raheem Sterling, I think a lot of people would probably say is, on a downward trajectory. I'm not necessarily sure that's true. I think that Raheem Sterling is somebody who 
is in and out of the side now under Pep Guardiola. And I think that's always difficult uh, to kind of, or, or it's a difficult situation to navigate, particularly when you're a player who for most of his career has played week in, week out. I think for somebody like Raheem Sterling, Champions League qualification would be key. The fact that Arsenal still could achieve that would boost us in the transfer market and in negotiations, not just with the likes of Sterling, but with so many other players who would see that as a, a must, who will see that, as Mikel would put it, as a non-negotiable when deciding where their next destination is going to be. I think the fact that I've made the point that he is in and out of the side now suggests that Manchester City would probably be OK with letting him go if the money was right. And when you take into consideration the contract situation too, then again, you're thinking maybe, maybe this is a deal that could be done. What are the pros of a Raheem Sterling to Arsenal deal? Well, the pros are you're getting an experienced pro. You're getting someone who's been around the block. You're getting someone who's won things. You're getting someone who's proven time and time again throughout the years that he can perform and make an impact on games at the very, very highest level. He would bring some experience, some know-how, uh, some class to that front line that at times still looks a little bit raw and can still be a little bit inconsistent. Um, you know, he he has a good relationship with Mikel Arteta. We all know that that's the case. We all know that he credits Mikel Arteta with a lot of his development over the last few years. So those are, you know, positives. Plus, because of the contract situation, you may well end up getting a Raheem Sterling, a player of that calibre, of that quality, for less than you would pay normally. But there are some drawbacks to this as well. And we're going to get into those drawbacks in just a second. I mean, you think about it, 27 years of age, not, not exactly a spring chicken, but by no means old. Somebody that still has plenty of good years in him, you'd think. Um, but, you know, it kind of goes against what Arsenal have been doing in recent seasons. Now, I did say, and I have been saying, and I think that Edu hinted, that he would look at players in a slightly higher age bracket now as we look to reinforce the squad with a bit more experience, a bit more quality, a bit more know-how and, you know, bring in players essentially that are ready to do it in the here and now and not just players who are prospects, not just players that are, we're looking at in the future or looking at going on and developing in the future. So I think in that sense, I'm a little bit torn. But the negatives are that, you know, this is a guy who people say, and I, and I don't know this for sure, is on between 250k 300k a week that's a massive investment for arsenal football club a huge investment for arsenal football club and what we were talking about on the last edition about the fact that you could probably keep mohammed on nenny and keep him on a wage packet that doesn't really disrupt your plans elsewhere and that's why i'd be actually quite for a short-term deal this is the complete and polar opposite of that this is willian mark ii with loads and loads of um, additional risk because you're going to have to pay a transfer fee as well. And I just, you know, I, I'm a little bit worried about that. I'm a little bit worried about the level of investment required. But by that same token, on the flip side, the reverse of it is that if you want elite players, you have to pay elite prices. And that is something that, you know, we're going to have to do at some point. We're going to have to bite the bullet with someone. And given Mikel's relationship with Raheem Sterling, and his situation at City right now, he doesn't feel like a completely crazy idea. So I think there are there are good points and there are bad points. Another sort of negative that I would look at where I said that he'd add experience to that front line and add some quality and some end product. I, I do think that it could potentially block the development of some of those other players. 
which is the drawback, which is the negative. And it depends, doesn't it, on whether you think that with Smith Rowe and Martinelli as the two left-sided options, let's say, that we've got enough, whether you think that Sterling could come in and sometimes play from the right and give Saka a breather, would that help us? Yeah, I'm sure it would. I'm sure he's definitely an upgrade on Nicolas Pepe, that's for sure. So there are positives and there are negatives to this. I just can't, you know, get away from the fact that to do this deal, we'd have to make such a big investment. And I'm not sure that this fits in with what we want. And I don't want players that have had really good and positive careers at the likes of Manchester City, who have been um, incredibly successful and all of that stuff, um, you know, are going to sort of look at Arsenal as a bit of a holiday camp and somewhere that they can go continue to collect a big pay packet and sort of wind down their careers a little bit. That's my fear. That's my worry. That's my concern. Moving on, let's talk about a couple of other bits and pieces, because that's not the only story doing the rounds this afternoon. We touched earlier on uh, David Ornstein's report regarding Mohamed Elneny. Well, he's also told us that Arsenal have entered negotiations with Yuri Tielemans' representatives about the idea of a potential move this summer. And he also adds that those neg negotiations, I beg your pardon, are progressing well. Yuri Tielemans to Arsenal. Is that something you'd be behind? It is something that I'd get behind. I think he's had a poor season this year. I think that's clear. And I think that for me, you, you would be naive to overlook that. But I also think that Leicester in general have had a poor season. The environment in which he's been playing hasn't been great. Um, he's struggled, uh, of course, uh, at Leicester. But you know, as I say, that the, the whole campaign for Leicester has been a bit of a struggle. The whole campaign at Leicester has been a big problem. So my view on, on Yuri Tielemans is that he still represents good value. He still represents a good option for Arsenal. And particularly if Mikel Arteta is planning in the long run on playing this, you know, this single man pivot with the idea of, of sort of a player slightly to the left who is not quite as as free as Martin Odegaard to get forward and get involved, but has more license than we've seen in the past, then I think Yuri Tielemans would actually probably be quite a good fit for that. I think we've seen that he can muck in as well defensively, that he can be um, sort of aggressive in his pressing and he can do a lot of the things that Mikel wants. He's also very good in terms of getting forward and providing goals and adding and contributing in that sense. Again, hasn't done it all that much this season, but we know he's got it in his locker. So I'd be behind this. The other thing with Yuri Tielemans as well, similarly to um, the Raheem Sterling situation, is that his contract um, is also in a place where it's it's running down. You know, it expires in June 2023, which means next season he'd be in his last season of contract at Leicester, which again gives you the feeling and gives you the encouragement that you could potentially go in there and get him at a price that, as I say, represents very, very good business and very, very good value. So I think this is where Arsenal need to be shrewd. This summer, Arsenal need to be smart. Arsenal need to look at the situations of some of these players. They need to identify, first of all, whether they'd be good fits or not, whether they're the players that, they, that we want. And then if that is the case, if they do feel like the right fit, if they do feel like good additions, then we need to go out and we need to look to take advantage of these situations. We don't have a sugar daddy owner. We're not going to be able to spend hundreds and hundreds of million every single transfer window. We're not a City. We're not a PSG. We're not a Chelsea. We're not even a Manchester United. So if we find situations 
that we could potentially capitalise on like these, like the Sterling one, like the Tielemans one, and the club, Mikel Arteta, Edu, all the people making the necessary decisions feel like they'd be a good fit, then why not try and take advantage of the circumstances? You know, for years and years and years, other clubs have taken advantage of circumstances around our players, contract terms, not being able to give them salaries um, that reflect necessarily what they're worth all the time, the need to move players on because of our overall financial situation. We have literally been picked off, bullied. We've had clubs come along and swoop away some of our superstars for deals that just to us as Arsenal fans didn't make any sense. But we had our backs against the wall and we had no option but to sort of cooperate and but to let that those deals happen. Otherwise, we'd have been left in a worse position. So we're in a place where now we need to be that shrewd shark that circles the waters around clubs like Leicester City, who are inferior to us, let's be honest, um, in terms of their size, in terms of their status, the fact that we're going to pretend or we are going to be in either the Europa League or the Champions League next season. We've got to go and bully these clubs. When I talk about the need to secure Champions League qualification um, for the good of the project overall, I, I, this is exactly what I'm talking about. You know, yes, at the start of the season, it wasn't an objective. It wasn't a goal. And it was what many of us perceived to be the very maximum that Arsenal could achieve. Now I'm at a point where at this stage in the season, with a four-point lead over Tottenham Hotspur, with three games to go, we got to get this done. We, we've got to. Because the potential this has to accelerate Arsenal's growth and Arsenal's development as a team under Mikel Arteta from a financial perspective, but also from a status perspective, is massive. You get in the Champions League, all of a sudden, Yuri Tielemans would probably be quite interested in coming to Arsenal and then make difficult, uh, life difficult for Leicester City, which contributes to them potentially saying, well, it's not the fee that we originally set out to get, but we don't really have all that much choice here. The player is pulling in that direction. He really wants to go there. He wants to play in the Champions League. We've got no choice. Off you go. Let's accept 35, 40 million pounds. Whereas in the past, we were asking for 60, 70 million pounds. You know, that we, we talk about Raheem Sterling and whatever your opinion is on him, whether you think that would be a good deal or not. Now, I'm on the fence personally about Raheem Sterling, but whether you think that's a good deal or not, it's undeniable that if Arsenal are in the Champions League, that becomes a much more appealing prospect to the player if indeed he is someone that you want to go out and get. So we have the potential by qualifying for the CL this season, um, ahead of next season, to really accelerate the process and really put ourselves in a good position when it comes to these players. And look, over the summer, as we kind of... Um, as we kind of, um, you know, listen to the rumours and, and put our ear to the ground and try and work out what may or may not be happening, we will do breakdowns on these players. We will go into in-depth analysis and we will prepare some really in-depth podcasts and features around some of them to kind of give people the download on whether or not um, I believe that they'd be a good fit for the football club. At this point, it is just rumours. At this point, it is just speculation. And I'd much rather focus... Um, on the overall ideas of these players, as opposed to sort of really diving into something that might actually be a load of nonsense. We will have plenty of time to do that in the summer when there's no football to talk about. But for the time being, let's let's be quite sort of open-minded with all this and, and, and speak a little bit more generally. Um, 
moving on, uh, we've also heard some quotes today from Andre Hernan, who is a Brazilian sports journalist, who says uh, that the Gabriel Jesus thing to Arsenal, and I quote, is real. Talks are really happening, um, which suggests that that deal is one that could potentially happen. And again, Champions League qualification could be key here. Somebody like Gabriel Jesus is going to want to know that he'll be walking out in the Emirates Stadium next season and listening to that Champions League anthem as opposed to the Europa League one. I think it's it's such a this is such a defining period for Arsenal in terms of not just next season, but in the years to come. Because the level of player that we will be able to recruit and the level of player that we'll be able to go after and potentially convince that this is the right play for them, uh, place for them completely changes, completely shifts if we have Champions League football to um, to uh, offer. So, yeah, um, you know, it's exciting um, to be able to to sort of think about the potential of these players. It's exciting to look at top elite level players who have performed at other clubs and have proved themselves over the recent years as potential and realistic targets. And that becomes a lot easier, I think, if we do get in the CL, as I keep saying. Look, I still think with Europa League football, people will be looking at Arsenal now and thinking, OK, you know, it will, will be disappointed if they miss out on the CL. And perhaps that will prize us out of some deals, perhaps that will make us an unappealing prospect to a lot of potential suitors. But there will still be a lot of people looking from the outside in thinking, this club are back on the right track again. You know, the atmosphere is better. The relationship between fans and players is better. The the, the connection is there. This is something I want to be a part of. Mikel Arteta is a promising young coach moving in the right direction. Look at how he's put youth at the centre of everything he's done. Look at how he's developed these players. Look at how he's brought them forward. Look at how he's brought them on. And people, I believe, will still look at Arsenal and say, yeah, that's somewhere I want to go. I think Arsenal football as a football club are big and, and huge and so big and so huge that we always have a pull. We always have an appeal. But being in Europe's premier competition just gives us that little bit of an edge again, doesn't it? And, and I think that makes the world of difference. Look, so those are the three stories that I just wanted to, to pick up on um, in this edition of the Press Review. Just a quick uh, recap of those. Then we're going to take a short pause. Then we're going to take some of your questions from the live chat. So Arsenal, according to Mike McGrath of The Telegraph, are plotting a move for Raheem Sterling this summer uh, as he enters his final contract. Uh, final year of contract, I beg your pardon, at Eastlands. So that feels like a possibility or something that at the very least Arsenal are willing to explore. David Ornstein tells us that Arsenal have held talks with Yuri Tielemans' representatives and that those talks have moved along positively. And that is a deal that Arsenal are considering. That's the deal that, as I quote, the decision makers um, at Arsenal are looking to do this summer. And we've had some quotes from some uh, journalists over in Brazil claiming or just backing up, reinforcing, if you like, the Gabriel Jesus talk that we've heard already over the last few weeks. OK, look, going to take a short pause. Then we're going to take some of your questions. Then we're going to take some of your thoughts in the live chat. 
Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. Speaking of 90 Min, if you haven't checked out this week's edition of the Gas Tank, check it out. Go over to the 90 Min YouTube channel. I was on hosting duty uh, today and it was great fun, as always, speaking with the guys and trying to dissect some of the big stories from the weekend. So please do head over to the 90 Min YouTube channel and check that out. Okay, look, let's... um. Let's just bring you up to speed uh, with what our partners over at Football Prizes have on offer at the moment. And then we're going to take your questions. Uh, so currently up for grabs is an Emil Smith-Rowe signed and framed Arsenal shirt, plus the opportunity to win eight instant win prizes. Those prizes include a Liam Brady signed and custom framed Arsenal shirt. Uh, Santi Cazorla, signed and framed Arsenal montage. Oh, Santi, you legend. Um, and some club vouchers as well as some site credit for football prizes. Now, this one is ending pretty soon. In fact, at the time of recording, in around about a couple of hours' time, tickets cost £3.95. There are 199 available, of which 141 have been sold. So if you're interested in this, you got to get on it quickly. A, because the tickets are running out, and B, because the deadline is coming up as well. So do check it out. Wonderful opportunity to get some beautiful memorabilia to stick up on your wall. Uh, check them out, Football Prizes. The link is in the description below. OK, let's take some of your thoughts, some of your questions. Uh, Marshall, big hello to you, mate, um, who's a Liverpool fan. He joins us, says, big up, Harry. Love your content, mate. Thank you so, so much. And um, good to see you here as always. Um, Lee Anthony says, should we ever do business with Man City? One day they will come knocking for our stars again. Look, I think we've got to accept, Lee, that we'll always be in a place where Manchester City financially can just gazump us until their ownership, if they do decide that they've had enough and want to move on. Um, what happened in the past happened. Um, my issue with some of those players that left Arsenal to go to Man City, you know, your Nazaris, your Adebayors, your Clichys, um, actually, I didn't really have an issue with Clichy. That's that's not that's not accurate. Your Sanya's, um, and again, he left on a free transfer. Didn't need to go there. You you don't really like. I didn't because we don't have that deep rooted rivalry with Manchester City that we have with a Manchester United or a Tottenham or or anybody like that. I never really held it against the club. Like I never really had a thing for Manchester City because we lost our players to them. For me, I was a bit more upset with the players because. On the one hand, when you look back at it, you understand why they made that move. Arsenal weren't travelling anywhere at that time. Arsenal were declining, if anything. Whereas Manchester City were on the up, were on the rise, were starting to compete for the game's biggest trophies and, of course, could pay a shit ton of money in comparison to what Arsenal at the time were willing to pay. So I don't really have an issue with, with a lot of those deals now, looking back in hindsight. At the time, I was very upset, but I was upset with the players more than Manchester City Football Club. If I was a football club that stumbled across a mountain of wealth and riches, I would do the same thing. You'd identify the best players and you'd go out and do what it takes to get them. And that's exactly what Manchester City were doing. So there's no real sort of ill feeling from me towards them on that front. Um, but obviously, as the years have gone by, they've pulled further and further away from us and and, you know, we've got a hell of a long way to cap, to move if we're going to catch up or at least get close to teams like City and Liverpool at the moment. Um, Jid says, what do you think the squad progressing further looks like, Harry? Is it more about buying three or four players 
or is it more about trusting the kids we have to improve together as they have high ceilings? I think there's a balance to be found here, mate. I think we need to do a bit of both. I think the core of what we're doing still needs to be based around this group that we already had at the club and recruited last summer. So, you know, the players that have already been there, the Sackers, Smith Rose, etc., the Martinelli's, but also the Whites, the Gabriels, um, you know, the Odegaards, you know, the, that sort of sign, the Ramsdales, the people that we went out and bought because we wanted, but also fall into that bracket of being young, up and coming and developing. So I think it's about finding that right balance. I think that the team that we have now and the, the current squad that we have now is youthful. It's great. But with that, at times comes inexperience, which leads to naivety in certain moments and which leads to sometimes you not being able necessarily to produce your best week in, week out. And we've seen those ups and downs throughout the season, which suggests that we're still a little bit off of it on that front. But, you know, they should still be the core of what we do and, and sort of the main focus. However, I do want to see three or four players come in that are just bang, ready now, today. Um, you know, some of them will surprise us. You know, I mean, you look at Ramsdale, none of us were really enthusiastic about that deal. He came in and straight away he took the number one spot from Bern Leno and he's never looked back. You know, you think about Ben White, there was question marks over him and he is, when fit and available, one of the first names on the team sheet. So the players that are ready to go bang and come into the side straight away are not always the players that we think um are ready to come in and ready to do the job because the club have a different view and the manager has a different view, which is fine. But I I just want at least, if we made four signings this summer, I want at least a couple of them to be statement signings. Signings that you look at and go, this guy's going to add a hell of a lot to my team, but also it sends shockwaves through the rest of the football world. You know, and I think some of these signings that we've potentially spoken about could do that. You know, if we signed, as we spoke about him earlier, Christopher Nkunku, I don't think this is going to happen. But if we did, when you know that everybody in Europe is looking at him and everybody in Europe has been impressed by his work and, and sees him as a real exciting prospect, all of a sudden people go, shit, Arsenal are serious again. If you go and get Gabriel Jesus, who I think is a really, really good striker, you know, the fact that Gabriel Jesus, and I know that Erling Haaland's coming in, which makes him sort of more... Um, open to the idea of leaving. But you bring Gabriel Jesus and he decides to go to Arsenal over a number of other clubs that are interested. All of a sudden, you're in a place where people are looking at Arsenal as a serious outfit again. So I think you need a bit of both. I think you need to continue the plan. You need to continue the project, the process, and stick to what you've started. Because a lot of the time, you don't get the reward for these types of projects unless you're in it for the long haul. You know, unless you're you're in it for a period of time. And Arsenal have quite clearly made that decision and have quite clearly decided to go down that route. But you still need a couple, you know, two, three players to come in of a really high level who can help those young guys. It's unfair to rely on them as much as we do. And to take that burden off them and that weight off them a little bit, in one sense, you would argue maybe it blocks their development in some cases. But I would argue that it just takes the pressure off them. And it releases them to go out and express themselves and, and to play and to, you know, do what it is that they do best without that huge pressure on their back. So I think there's a balance to be found, mate. But it's a really, really good question. Paul says, hi, Harry. We would have saved 250K from Oba. 
180k Laka and 120k on Pepe. I can imagine Sterling, Jesus and Tielemans' wages being covered by this alone, potentially, mate. And that's why I kept saying in January that although I was worried and although I was concerned that the lack of replacements, that the lack of recruitment in January could potentially derail us and bite us in the arse, that's why I kept saying that if we did pull this off, if we did manage to get ourselves back in Europe, despite having let those players go without replacing them, we'd look back on it as a masterstroke because, A, we'd be in a position where we've achieved our goals even when weakening the squad. And we've still got a long way to go before we can say that, admittedly. But we'd have cleared the decks ahead of the summer, meaning that Arsenal Football Club know exactly what it is they've got to play with come the summer months and can focus solely on bringing in the players that we want or at least primarily in bringing in the players we want. We've still got some futures that we need to deal with with regards to outgoings, but you don't have to spend the first half and the first two-thirds, the first three-quarters of the summer stressing and worrying about how you're going to get this guy out of the door so that you can facilitate the transfer for player X. That That's really, really important, and you make a great point, Paul. Um, Christian Hoover says, are you comfortable with Nketiah becoming our backup striker going forward? I'm okay with him being a backup striker. My question mark around it is whether he'll be okay with that. I think he's done well in the last few weeks. I I still don't think he's elite level and I still think he's got a long way to go before we can talk about him in that bracket. Um, But it's clear that Mikel Arteta is really enjoying what he's seen from him at the moment. And it's clear that the club are going to at the very least try to keep a hold of him. The, the big question mark over this is whether Arsenal can, can convince him that the role that he's going to have moving forward is good enough for him. I am of the opinion that I would rather be a second striker in a, a, or at an elite football club where I can challenge for, for honours and, and push forward and play in the, in the Champions League, etc., than being a big fish in a small pond at a club like, with all due respect, Southampton, Crystal Palace, whatever. That's how I see it, because I think there's a, a lot of value in playing for a really big football club. But I also understand that Eddie and Ketia might not feel that way. Let's um, let's take a couple more of your questions. And apologies if I miss some of these, because there's so many coming through at the moment um, that I, I will miss some. It's inevitable. Um, a lot of you talking about Serge Gnabry in the chat. Would we? Would I like us to see Serge Gnabry come in? Would I like us to, to go back out there? to try and, um, you know, to try and uh, to lure the German international back to Arsenal. Look, does Serge Gnabry want to come back? I, I You know, this is um, this is a bit of a left field story. But when I worked in my previous job, I, I used to, I used to, uh, you know, he was a client of mine, Serge Gnabry. And I met him sort of right at the start of his Arsenal career. And uh, he was a really good kid, like really down to earth, like had his head screwed on, you could tell, and was very, um, very sort of shy and not very confident. And and someone who I got the impression didn't completely understand the talent that he had. And you get that a lot, don't you? Like young footballers, young people who are, um, you know, sort of really talented. And, and sometimes you look at them and you think, if only you yourself realize the level of talent that you have then you know you could go on and and be even bigger and even better and I think that Serge Gnabry needed a bit more time to sort of 
believe in himself. And when he went back to Germany, that started to happen. And he obviously went to a really, really high level and is currently at Bayern and, you know, plays for the reg uh, national team regularly. And all of a sudden he's, he's a top, top player. So I, I would quite welcome the idea of signing Serge Gnabry. But again, it goes back to what we were talking about with Raheem Sterling. This is a player who's gone to Bayern Munich. He's used to playing at the very, very highest level. Can we persuade him that this is the club for him? We probably could, but we'd probably need to make a significant investment. And that's why the planning has to be meticulous. The planning has to be thorough. And I feel a lot more comfortable in the idea that Arsenal have already identified these players because that tells me that we're not just panic buying and we're not just being knee-jerk. And that was one of the reasons that I was accepting of what happened in January was because I desperately didn't want us to be knee-jerk. And I don't think we are going to be. So I don't think that we're going to be, um, you know, moving, particularly when we're talking about high-value signings for people that we haven't already done the due diligence on, for people that we haven't, um, you know, really studied for a, a period of time. I know that all transfers have an element of research behind them, with the exception of maybe some deadline day ones where you see people just go in and do what they need to do ASAP. It's like going into the shop just before it closes and there's two sandwiches on the shelf. You want a tuna mayo, but there's only a BLT and a cheese sandwich on the shelf. You've got to pick one or the other. You take it, you get out of there as quick as possible. So I think for me, um, I take encouragement in the fact that I do believe that Arsenal are aware of who they want, why they want them, and how they're going to go about making those deals happen in the summer. Alex Jones says, Harry, will you shave off your beard completely if we stuff spurs? I'm purposely not trimming it because I'm superstitious um, because it hasn't been done during this last run of results. So um, I am scared to touch it at the moment. But you know what? If we do go and beat spurs, um, then I'll do whatever it is that you guys want me to do with the beard um, so that we can celebrate. But yeah, I am superstitious. I don't want to mess around with it. Um what else we got? Uh, Roland says, as far as I'm concerned, if we can get Jesus, Gakpo, Zagrova and Kunku, Aaron Hickey, Nunez with the present squad, then we will be contenders again. I think you're going a little bit ambitious, Roland. Um, I don't think we're going to get all of those players that you've mentioned, but I do think we're going to bring in three or four players this summer. Uh, let's see what else we've got. Um, Jay Sayers says, do you think we'll get more than 10 million for Pepe, he's been that bad, just awful. It's really hard with Nicolas Pepe because I think that other people will look from the outside in and say, well, it's clear that this guy's got talent. It's clear that he can score goals and all that. We've all seen it over the years. But he just is in a good fit for Arsenal and Mikel Arteta at the moment. I think that a lot of people will feel that way. Um, and I think that a lot of clubs will be willing to take a gamble on him, but not a big gamble. Like I think like 20 million is probably your max. I, I tell you what I think is going to happen with Nicolas Pepe because of the salary, because of um, sort of how much he's been deemed to be a flop based on his price tag. I think that you'll get clubs coming in and saying, we want Nicolas Pepe on loan with an obligation or an option to purchase him at the end of that period. And I feel like we're going to have a long old summer of speculation around Nicolas Pepe and we're going to get to a place and a position where we might have to accept something like that um, so that um, so that we can facilitate him moving on and doing what he needs to do 
and the player being happy, but also facilitate the club getting his wages off of our wage bill. I, I really, I, I do think, you know, a lot of the deals that we've done in the past were bad deals. We massively overpaid for certain players. We we over exerted ourselves in what we gave them salary wise and it didn't reflect what they were actually worth. And that's why there have been changes behind the scenes. There's a real recognition of that in and around the club. But we're not we're not going to be able to put all of those deals right. We're not going to be able to go out there and command the types of fees that sort of limit the damage done by those deals. Those have happened. They've been there, done that. The fact that KSE have been willing to spend money, even in the aftermath of all of that, suggests to me that they recognise it too and acknowledge it and understand that the only way we get out of this and get back to where we need to be is by being competitive. Um, and the only way we can be competitive is by almost writing off the bad deals that we've done in the past and pumping in the money to try and get us back there ASAP. Right. Um, I am going to leave it there because uh, we've been going for a little while. Um, we are going to do some more content tomorrow as well. And of course, quick reminder, check out the 90 Min show. I was hosting with the guys today, earlier on today. So check that out on the 90 Min YouTube channel. Also, you can catch me on TalkSport 2 tomorrow uh, from 3 till 5 p.m. We'll be looking back, I'm sure, at some of the Premier League's action over the weekend, but as well as uh, building up to a really busy midweek of fixtures. And of course, Liverpool have that huge game at Aston Villa coming up. So I'm sure we'll be talking about that in the studio. Uh, subscribe to the channel if you're new. Hit the like button if you haven't done so already. Um, we're 15 likes away from 100. Let's try and get there ASAP by the time the outro rolls. And I will see you all very, very soon. Don't forget there was a press review show earlier today as well, which you can check out on the channel. Lots and lots of content coming your way as we build up towards the end of the season. And of course, plenty to come throughout the summer. Going to take a, a little bit of a break at some point in the summer for a few days, uh, but we'll be keeping you across all the transfer news, all the transfer stories right through until the start of the new season. I'll catch you all very soon. Thank you so much for tuning in. All the best. Goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry 